One of the things that always comes to the surface whenever, if we run a training course or even if we're speaking to um, senior clients, if you don't understand some of the nuance of how the data is collected and what some of the, both the limitations, but also the, the, the kind of benefits, if you don't, if you don't really understand at least the, the kind of foundations of how that's working, it can lead to a lot of incorrect assumptions and misusing metrics or uh, trying to compare two metrics that shouldn't be compared. The Strategic Marketing Show is brought to you by Insights for Professionals, providing access to the latest industry insights from trusted brands, all in a customised, tailored experience. Find out more over at insightsforprofessionals.com. Hey, it's David. How much attention should you be paying to your analytics? And how should analytics be best utilised as part of your marketing strategy? That's what we're discussing today with a man who's been working with Google Analytics for 15 years. And over the past few years, he's consulted, trained, and spoken at conferences about how to optimize your use of analytics. His focus now is on his business, Measure Lab, to become the world's favorite digital analytics consultancy. A warm welcome to the Strategic Marketing Show, Darren Fitzgerald. Hi, David. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm very happy, excited to be here. Hey, Dara. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, you can find Dara over at measurelab.co.uk. So, Dara, how has the, the role that analytics plays in the, in the marketing technology stack changed over the last few years? I think I have to start probably with what's front and centre for a lot of um, users of Google Analytics uh, at the moment, which is the, the pending sunsetting of Universal Analytics, which is the version of Google Analytics that we've known and loved for the last several years. Um, so in March of this year, so March 2022, Google announced quite a big announcement that they were actually going to sunset Universal Analytics because all of their focus was moving to Google Analytics 4, which has been around for a number of years. Uh, but it was quite a shock to people when they realized that Universal was actually going to get uh, discontinued. So companies now have until July 2023 before Universal Analytics stops collecting data, which is quite a big deal because Google have never done such a big change before. Whenever they've changed analytics in the past, it's always been maybe a, not superficial as such, but it's, it's kind of kept the infrastructure in place. So nobody has had to worry too much about losing any of their historical data. But this is the biggest change they've, they've ever made, really. Um, this is a complete rebuild. Uh, it's an entirely new product. So I think in terms of like how it's changed, this is maybe very specific to something that's happening right now. But I think what GA4 enables marketers to do is have a lot more, I'm going to say power. I keep thinking that's not the right word, but it's going to give them a lot more capabilities to actually act on their data compared to what they would have had with Universal Analytics, which has been the tool of choice for the vast majority, let's be honest, the vast majority of website owners for the last whatever number of years it's been. So if you're a non-technical marketer, um, I guess the first question is, are we currently using Google Analytics? And if so, how is this change going to impact the data that I see? So, I mean, typically, how will that actually impact the most important types of data that all marketers tend to want to interact with and, um, and track on an ongoing basis? 
I think if the migration is managed smoothly, then there's nothing that there's nothing fundamental that will be lost during this process if it's done correctly. So one of the challenges, which is something that I kind of alluded to, is that for the first time, Google are going to stop collecting a certain type of data. And not only that, they're then going to eventually remove access to that historical data. So one thing companies do need to make sure they're doing is exporting any historical data that they've built up over the years using universal analytics. As long as that's happening, then there's no reason why you can't migrate over all of your reports, all of your dashboards that all feed off this underlying analytics data. And then as I mentioned, you then get some extra benefits. So you're actually going to be able to have more features and the main one being and maybe i'm going to jump ahead a little bit here but the main one being uh, there's actually a lot of machine learning based model data in ga4 which is something that didn't exist within universal so this is kind of part of google's shift towards using a lot of machine learning to to kind of work with the bigger data sets to enable people to actually use things like predictive analytics as a as an example but in terms of moving from the old way to the new way if that migration is is managed correctly uh, then there shouldn't really be any any issues in terms of continuing to report in fact actually sorry i'm turning this into quite a long answer david um <laughs> but something that we're saying to our clients is something we see time and time again is people layer up analytics over the years so new people join the team they add their own spin on things. They start collecting data that they feel is important or they've collected in a previous role. And over the years, you get a lot of bloat and nobody in the business is really sure who's using which report, which set of data. People can have multiple sets of KPIs that they're using that sometimes conflict with each other or people don't understand how that data is actually being collected and processed. So what we're saying to people is actually because, you know, almost flip this fact that the Universal Analytics will, will be discontinued. Flip that into a positive and use this as a chance to actually review the data that you're collecting, check it's still fit for purpose, and almost start, not necessarily with a fully clean slate, but start from the ground up again and think, well, actually, let's review what data we're using and how we're using it, and actually start with a, you know, start with a data set that we're actually going to be able to use to act on, rather than just having metrics for the sake of metrics, which is a trap that's easy to fall into. I mean, I like you talking about the fact that a lot of marketers um, end up layering up data because what happens is marketers get um, get promoted within organisations, um, new marketers start and they have their own preferred way of tracking things and um, it ends up, I guess, meaning that um, the old ways continue in the background, perhaps aren't switched off because they're too scared to, to switch things yeah. off in case it might break anything at all. And they're doing many things at the same time, which kind of leads me up to to what I was going to ask you as a follow-up question. Um, now, you begun your answer by talking about the importance of exporting data from universal analytics. And I just want to emphasise the importance of doing that because obviously you can only export so much data. So as soon as you start exporting data, that's the point as, as to which you can select the data as to, to how far you can go back. But also in relation to layering up the collection of data, would you advise for a certain period of time carrying on Universal Analytics and GA4 at the same time? Yes, and that's what a lot of people have been doing. So because GA4 has been around for, I might get this slightly wrong, but it's been around for at least two years, I think, 
um, initially it was in beta and then it, then it got you know promoted to alpha and then and then the news came out in March as I mentioned that Universal was actually going to get discontinued. So the advice has been to run the two in parallel, um, which would have been the previous advice back in the day when Google changed from, say, classic uh, Google Analytics to Universal Analytics. You run the two in parallel because there are differences. So you take the time to understand those differences and get everybody, you know, all the stakeholders up to speed with what you don't have anymore, what extras you have. And when you are comparing, if there's any nuance that you need to bear in mind, because the numbers, the two data sets will never match, like no two data sets will ever match. So the advice is to run the two in parallel. Ideally, and this is advice after the fact, but ideally that process would have started in July of this year to allow you to have a full year of Universal Analytics and GA4 data side by side. So in July next year, when they discontinue Universal Analytics, you'd still have that for your your year-on-year comparisons. I appreciate not everybody has managed to do that. Some people were a little bit later for various reasons to get GA4 up and running. I still think there's some value if you have Universal already running in running the two in parallel, just so you have a period of time to to compare. Um, But really the focus now is on having GA4 set up fully validated and providing the data that you're going to need moving forward because that timeline is approaching us pretty, pretty swiftly. And am I right in thinking that the main reason why you would want Universal Analytics and GA4 running in parallel, both tracking the same people, is that um, GA4 is going to spit out the data in a slightly different way, and it's important to be able to compare and contrast the data sets to give you a better idea of how much more or less GA4 is going to report for the same sort of metrics? Exactly right. Yeah. It's to give you that time to run your own comparisons because those differences will vary slightly depending on the nature of the website and your particular users. So it's worth each business kind of looking at that in relation to their particular website or websites to do that comparison and make sure, basically make sure they feel comfortable that when they have no choice but to report on the GA4 figures, that they're comfortable with those figures, that they understand what they're telling them. Um, And some of the differences, there's some positive reasons for those differences. So something, one of the big features of Google Analytics 4 is that, so I mentioned about it it using a lot of machine learning based modeling. And one of the main reasons why it's doing that is because it's trying to fill in some of the gaps that exist now. So because of the kind of shift in the industry towards more of a privacy centric approach, it means that the amount of observed data has decreased and is continuing to decrease because of people not consenting to cookies, for example. So something that Google Analytics 4 does is if you use a feature it has called consent mode, it will actually model the non-consented users. So it will look at consented users and it will look at their behavior and then it will model that onto the non-consented users. So it will give you a modeled view of what your full data set looks like. So you would, in that case, see more users in GA4 than you would have seen in Universal. Because in Universal, if someone doesn't consent, there's simply no, no data to look at. Now, there are many enterprise marketers maybe listening to this recording that won't necessarily be using Google Analytics. They could be using Adobe Analytics or or, or something else. Are there any reasons to actually consider moving to GA4 from other tracking systems? 
I think there there are. I mean, it's not. This might sound like a strange answer for me, given I work with Google Analytics, but potentially it works both ways because this change is drastic in a way and making people effectively start from scratch, even though they can look to export the data from Universal, but effectively they're starting with a new product, which is GA4. So that might actually make some people consider if GA is still the right tool for them. So it would be wrong of me not to acknowledge that and say that, you know, potentially there will be people out there who will think, well, actually, maybe now is the time to to consider another another tool. But the flip of that, why would people come to, to GA4? Well, I think there's a, there's a couple of reasons probably. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do a complete comparison because my area of expertise is, is GA and I'm, I'm not completely up to speed on the other analytics tools that are out there. But I know that some of the reasons why people are pleased with moving to GA4 is previously you could only export your data to BigQuery uh, if you had a premium Google Analytics, so a GA360 license. So if somebody is using GA4, they don't actually have to have that. So potentially if somebody didn't need an enterprise level analytics tool, be that GA360 or Adobe or any other enterprise level analytics tool, but they did want to have data warehousing capabilities, they did want to store that data somewhere where they could own it and, and control it, then GA4 is a really great choice because every GA4 user gets the option to export their GA4 data to BigQuery for free. The storage and the processing in, in BigQuery isn't free, but the export from GA4 to, to BigQuery is free. So that's a big benefit of GA4 that doesn't exist with Universal or any other, any other enterprise level analytics tools. Got you. So, so potentially an opportunity to maintain your enterprise level service requirements and perhaps actually reduce your monthly outgoings when it comes to spending on analytics. Potentially. Um, and I think one of the other reasons is the, the model data that I keep mentioning. So that becomes even more useful when you're actually looking to to use the audience data in GA with your advertising campaigns. So because you can use that rich audience data from GA and you can integrate it straight into Google Ads, DV360, Search Ads 360, you can build remarketing lists, run re-engagement campaigns. You can do that with that enriched data that you have in GA4, which is a lot more difficult if you're running your ads on the Google network, but you're using a non-Google analytics tool. Now you've got a client, Fred Perry, that I'm sure many listeners will have heard of, that um, has fully embraced GA4. So what are one or two things that they, they have embraced and actually been able to gain by doing that? It's the first one you probably won't be surprised to hear me say, because I, I keep mentioning this, but it's the, um, it's the, the machine learning based model data. Um, so they're actually using, so Google's using this in a, in a few different ways in GA4. So there's the modeling, the non-consented users, which is one, and that's something that Fred Perry are, are using. Um, and they're actually using that and the, so within GA, you get a choice whether you look at the data without that modeling for the non-consented users, or you can look at the data with that included. So what they're able to do at the moment is they're actually comparing universal analytics with GA4 data without the modeling for non-consented users and the data with the modeling. So they can get a really good view of those different data sets and make a decision around which one that they want to use for their their kind of primary reporting. Uh, they're also using the uh, predictive analytics in, in GA4, which is a, a really 
really great feature. So it's actually, again, using machine learning, it's taking your data for your website and it's creating audiences for things like predicted seven-day purchasers, predicted seven-day churn. So it's actually predicting these behaviors. You can create audiences in GA4 using these behaviors, predicted behaviors, and then actually push that into Google Ads to create either remarketing campaigns or to try and re-engage those users if they're if they're predicted to churn. So it's allowing you to do that, you know, that extra level of of, of reaching these users who Google believes are going to either purchase or or churn. And then you can try and push them over the line if it's in the case of predicted purchase, or you can try and re-engage them if it's in the case of of churn. One other I'll just tell you another quick one as well. So GA4 also has something called explorations. And this is, um, it's almost like your analysis space within the GA4 interface. And it's a lot more customizable than universal. So if you're trying to build a picture of how people are behaving on your website, you're trying to look at funnel performance across maybe uh, a number of different sub-properties or a number of different country level sites, with Universal, it was quite rigid. You kind of had a set of steps that you could define and then you would have to do your analysis that way. But GA4 allows you to create these custom explorations where you can look at things like funnels, but you can also look at things like segment overlap, which is a really nice feature. So you can see where two different segments of users actually overlap and what that intersection looks like. So this was something that Fred Perry have been using to better understand how people are using their website and how different marketing activities are driving different types of users and how those users behave differently across different sections of the website. Do you think that senior marketers can rely on analytics pros uh, to provide them with the data? Or should they actually be diving into Google Analytics themselves, GA themselves, uh, to better understand the platform? That's a, it's a tough question. I, I think maybe the answer is a, is a, is a combination. I, I do think it's important for senior marketers to understand some of the nuance. So one of the things that always comes to the surface whenever, if we run a training course or even if we're speaking to um, senior clients, if you don't understand some of the nuance of how the data is collected and what some of the, both the limitations, but also the, the, the kind of benefits, if you, don't, if you don't really understand at least the, the kind of foundations of how that's working, it can lead to a lot of incorrect assumptions and misusing metrics or uh, trying to compare two metrics that shouldn't be compared. Having said that, obviously senior marketers have, uh, their job can't be to be in GA4 all day long. So I think it is a combination of both, but there's a there's a bridge, isn't there? There's a language bridge between the two where I think if the people who are ultimately making the decisions based off the data, if they have enough of an understanding to know what GA4 can and can't do, then that's going to better equip them to work with their in-house or, you know, or agency analysts who can then be briefed on taking that, you know, qualified question, digging into it and coming back with, with an answer. Let's move on from what works now to planning for the future. So in your opinion, what's the biggest marketing trend or challenge for marketers over the coming year? Oh, well, if if I can be bold and stick two in, I'm going to try and squeeze two in. Um, So this deadline I keep mentioning is, is obviously a big deal for marketers who are relying on Google Analytics or specifically have been relying on Universal Analytics to help them understand their campaigns and optimize their campaigns. So given 
July 23 is just around the corner. I think finalising GA4 implementations, migrating those last reports over to GA4 and making sure that the wider businesses understand what GA4 is capable of is going to be a big focus um, for marketers working specifically with with GA as their main analytics tool. And then uh, maybe the other point that I was going to try and just squeeze in as well is obviously the kind of continual shift towards a more privacy-centred web, basically, and some of these headlines that are coming out about tools like GA being illegal, um, sometimes they're slightly clickbaity headlines, um, but the you know the, the constant shift towards a more privacy-centered uh, approach to marketing, um, GA isn't excluded from that, it's a, it's a part of it. So that's the other big challenge I think for marketers is continuing to have data that they need to optimize their campaigns, but while also at the same time respecting users' choices in terms of consenting to, to data being collected and used. I've been your host, David Bain. You can find Dara over at measurelab.co.uk. Dara, thanks so much for being on the Strategic Marketing Show. Thank you again for having me. And thank you for listening. Here at IFP, our goal is simple. To connect you with the most relevant information to help solve your business problems all in one place. Insightsforprofessionals.com.